This is Milton Walters, and you're listening to Adapting in My Grief. I'm going to be talking to people and hear their stories regarding their experiences with grief, the loss of their loved one, the importance of the support they received, and how they've learned to adapt to a life without their loved one. Brett Ratton is coach of the St Kilda Football Club. He has a long history with the game of AFL, decorated player at Carlton, premiership player at that club, coach at that club, part of the coaching team under Alistair Clarkson during the premiership years at Hawthorne, and now he's the head coach at the St Kilda Footy Club, the Saints. But during those years in 2015, Cooper, Brett's teenage son, was killed in a car accident. A late night, horrible weather, speed, a scene we've seen just far too often on our TV screens and read in our newspapers, a tragedy. A young life taken away too early and a family and friends left behind to, to pick up the pieces and move forward in a world without their loved one. Brett, um, where do we start here? And I think probably the most sensible place to begin would be that night. I mean, how did it unfold for you in terms of what is every parent's worst nightmare, I would have thought, which is a phone call or a knock at the door? Yeah, well, um, it was, you know, we just we just played Geelong at the MCG, um, and I've told this story before, but, uh, you know, you, Cooper was up at Yarra Glen, um, you know, my parents and my brother lived there and my sister lived there, so he was playing footy again back up there, which was great, and, and had some work as well. And, um, yeah, they just won a game or, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they just won the game to put them in the finals, um, which they hadn't been involved in for a long time. And we'd played at the MCG uh, against Geelong. Yeah, and then early in the morning, um, yeah, around 5, 5.15, the doorbell rang. Um, there was a policeman there. Yeah, and it was sort of first thought was, what's he doing here? Um, you know, you... Think, geez, you know, someone's done something around our house, or they're looking for somebody. Um, is it is it Cooper? You know what, what's going on? And yeah, then he spoke about Cooper being involved in a serious car accident, um, or in a car accident. He didn't sort of say how serious it was, and then um, he said he'd find where he's going to go. He was going to Box Hill Hospital. I said I'd go and change my clothes to go there. And by the time I got back, he said he passed away. I can't and, even imagine you know, what that would be like. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was like yeah, um, somebody kicking you in the teeth. Um, yeah, something removed from your chest. Um, yeah. There's probably, um, you know, there's so many times that you want to, because of the instant um, passing. There's no right way with. Um, sorry about the tears, but no, um, some days are good and some days are easier to talk about it. But um, I think with different passings, I think you know you don't want some people to suffer in life and go through. But you know, and then you know, um, for for us, because it was a sudden death, there was. Oh. There's no even chances to say what. There's no you, preparatory. There's no last words. That's right, no and that's that's a lot of the things that. You don't get as well, so um, yeah, it was. Um, you know, then you've got to tell, you know, his brothers and sisters what had happened. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah, and then try and move on yourself. But that that night, um, yeah, you can nearly play it back a thousand times, and it will nearly be 
exactly how it was played out. It's an interesting observation that because I, I know from my own or our own situation when Bernadette died last year, we did have that long run in, you know, in terms of knowing that she was going to die. And then, you know, the, the last week at the hospital and so all the kids were able to get around her and, and sort of, you know, although she was in a semi-comatose state, was able to talk to what they wanted to say to her collectively and individually. And, and that goes the same for me as well. It was still bloody hard, you know, afterwards in terms of I wished I'd said that or I that. So if it had happened suddenly, I, I just can't imagine. I mean, it's got to be the, dare I say, it sounds a terrible thing to say, but the, it's about the toughest of all, really, something that sudden. Uh, I, th- I think we're trying to deal with the death of a loved one, whether it's your, your parents, a partner or, or your children. Um, you know, whether it's a, a, a long illness or a sudden death, I I think there's aspects to both that, you know, you, you wish you could change. To, you totally. know, you don't want people to be in pain and no. suffer through long, you know, a long-term illness. But the, on the flip side, you don't want them to, if they're going to pass away, it, it's um, I always look at it and wish people had a timeline written on their head so we knew exactly <laughs> what, what it was. So you knew what your destiny was and... Um, yeah, yeah, interesting. But, yeah, it would be interesting. It would change. You know, I don't know if it'd be that good, but uh, well, not if you're in good shape and you realised you were a week out. It probably wouldn't feel too right. good at all. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's, that's right. Exactly. But, um, one of the things I remember at the time, you know, watching the news footage of Cooper's death, we you know, on television and reading about it in the paper, was just the very public nature of it. I mean, for most people, they their loved one dies, they have a funeral like we did, and a few hundred people go to the funeral, and you come out and you whatever. We haven't got TV cameras and journalists, and did that was that did that make it any harder, or is it just just faded into the it was insignificant because you're so immersed in your own you know trauma and grief? I think the initial part um, of being on the the news or getting media attention, I think initially you knew it was it was you know so public, but I think then became in the background, in the noise background. in the background. I think, uh, you know, the, the people around you and you were just trying to get through and, and you know, um, you know, function, really. Function, yeah. yeah really, yeah. just to, to make sure. And whether some of the things that were put in place, you know, you, you had to go to the funeral parlour and work things out. Um, you, you had to keep moving a little bit yes. to get, you know, to go through the procedures of, you know, the burials and things like that. But, yeah, that, that's that's a bit. The, the media stuff in there, um, that, you know, that did By the by. Yeah, that was just out the back and, you know, that was in the background. But, um, yeah. yeah. Like me and like you, um, near the age when you lose a loved one like that, as hard as it is, uh, and nearly as impossible as it can be, you've got to go back to work at some stage and, and sort of life's got to go on and, and then you, you, you walk back into a workplace and in my case it was a couple of weeks after, you know, we'd buried Bernadette and I just thought, my God, what am I doing here? I mean, was that, how was the Hawthorne Football Club for you? Because I mean, I remember at that stage they were, you were on the march to the finals, you were in the finals around that time? Yeah, we knew we were going to play finals. I missed, uh, I missed two games. Oh. Um, and then I went back to work. Wow. Uh, in the first, uh, we went down to Tassie, right. to Launceston, and I took Tanner with me, um, you know, to come along as well. Yep. So we we shared a room and, um, you know, the footy club were great. They didn't put any um, you know, pressure on me to come back. I didn't yeah. even have to come back that year if I didn't want to. Um, but it was sort of like um, just sitting at home and um, footy gave me something to focus on. Yes. Um and, and take up, you know, instead of having 24 hours to think of 
recoup and what's what's yes, happened yes. replay that over and over in your head um, footy sort of filled a void in there and yes. re- reduce that time which I think was healthy for me yeah um, a distraction uh, of sorts really, yeah it through, was yeah. yeah and in my case football's always been a love and a job right so yes. you know we always say to everybody let's let's do something that you love in life yeah and I, I'm very fortunate that I, I've been involved in footy for such a long time and it's a huge passion of mine so to go back and put my energy into football and be a part of that again helped me yes um and then we had you know the finals and and all that and the and the footy club were very very supportive um through that period the, the, probably the challenge was for me was when the game stopped and we won yes and and the the grand final and it was a, you know the three peat and yeah you know it was sort of you know I felt yeah, for me, it was a bit of a driver too to do it for Coop and yeah. and that as well. But it was when the game ceased, and then the reality was we didn't have to go into work. We had a bit yes. of time away from the club. We went on a family holiday. Um, yeah, that's when real reality set in. in. Yep, because there was no distractions. Mm. Um, yeah, and and probably too, I think when the initial event of a death happens. The support is amazing mm. in that there's so many people there, but it then becomes a ripple effect for every for every day, for every hour, for every week, mm. for every month. The, the gap opens up yes. and the support network is less. Yes. Um, and, and the contact from people is less. And some people in their own way, right, wrong or indifferent, feel uncomfortable to talk about it. Yes. And ask That's certainly my going. experience, yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So sometimes there can be this void and... You sort of start to, you know, you know, start to think, why doesn't people talk about it? Or, mm. um, and that can be that can be a challenge personally too, because after that sort of time, going back to the club, winning the final, and then going on a holiday, and then sort of getting on with life and having a little bit of time at home before we actually went back to work again, there was a bit of a void there. Yeah, we'd work. I wasn't around work. Yeah. Um, and, and friends had got on with their life, as they should. And so um, you're confronted with the enormity of you know, what's just happened, you know, because right. there's a silence, I suppose. To, yeah, and you, you find, know. you find, and it is a reality, over time, It's this is the network of people that are sort of supporting you. And you're very thankful for all the others to come in, but yeah. by, the, by the time it sort of life gets on and gets moving, and Cooper's death is only five years now, and, you know, it is really... Yeah, just a, a few core people in that sort of bubble that uh, are supportive all and the time. on the journey. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we're coming up to 12 months and um, I, I don't know how I would have got by you know, to this stage without, you know, like my brother and, and my sister and, um, you know, some great friends and, and what yeah. have you. And you sort of think, imagine if you didn't have them. You know, like it's um, – but I nearly feel like you know, what I've learned <laughs> out of it is that, I mean – it's a hard thing to say, but you nearly have to step up and support people. You know, like it's you can't make people do that, obviously. But no. but you know, like you sort of feel like if they just knew how important it was, you know, that maybe it wouldn't be so awkward. You know, that's right. And it might be uncomfortable for them to to say how yes. you're going because they think they think they're bringing up a, a raw topic, and you might emotionally. Um, yeah. But I, I think even if that person does get upset, if I if I do get upset. Yeah, you, that's okay. It is okay because yes. you actually got to let your emotions out. Yes. Um, and the other side of it too is when that conversation's finished, the person that has gone through the trauma and the tragedy, they think, "Thank you, 
Oh, totally. They acknowledge that you care and there's support. I think the the bit is it can be awkward is, you know, when there's nothing said and it goes on and on and on over time, you sort of don't know where that person sits and it's not – you don't feel um, angry towards them or anything like that. It's more no. just you feel – um, I'm not sure what's going on with our relationship or that person. You know, how, you know what, what's going on? But I think when the person does come out and ask the question, you, whether you get upset or not, you know where they sit. They they care, and they their, care. their agenda it. is to make sure you're okay. And that that's all you sort of need, I mm. think, because um, they they can't do too much more mm. because you as an individual have to. You know, we've said this. Um, I'll never get over Cooper's tragedy, never. But I'm trying to learn to live with it, and that's all you can do. So for people to ask and do that, um, yeah, I think it helps that process as well. You also have certain people, I mean, uh, this is my experience, I imagine yours as well, who just being the people they are just yeah. demonstrate extraordinary kindness to you. Yep. And, and it's not because necessarily they – It's I must give Milton or Brett a call, you know, to do that. It's just who they are, and they just – you make sure that they just uh, try and be so supportive. And, I mean, the, the reason I mention that is, is sort of asking, just, just thinking about, you know, those people. But, I mean, I had a friend um, who, uh, this is just at the start of the year, where I decided to pack up all of Bernadette's clothes. And it was an extraordinarily traumatic afternoon. You know, I was just crashed on the bed and, you know, I was pretty upset and had done it all. And, and then I got a text message from his friend. She, she said, hey, do you feel like a beer? You know, and I said... Yeah, I'd love one. And I said, just can you give me an hour for hopefully the swelling or crying. My eyes will go down by then. And for the next four hours, we had a bite to eat and a beer at the pub. I hadn't mentioned a thing about the afternoon, but just the general, you know, caring and supportive nature of this person literally just picked me up, yeah. you know, um, without her even knowing that she was doing it. Yeah. And um, I thought to myself afterwards, you know, God, you can be fortunate, you know, to have really good people, you know, in your circle at that time. That's right. And I mean, those people obviously must have existed in your in your, through your journey. Yeah, yeah, and some, and some, um, you know, through through birthdays, Christmas, you know, the, all the dates um, that come up in in our calendar. You know, it might be one of the other kids' birthdays, but there's always someone missing. Yes. So yes. it doesn't matter if it's not Cooper's birthday or his day. It's like he should be there. So that can be hard, but I've got some great mates that just you know reach out, um, you know, and they just you know they just read the play really well. Yes, that's, and they know that, that's that, the, it is. They read the play. Yeah, yeah and they they yeah. sort of know me um, that well because of our friendship and our relationships. But sometimes they don't even have to talk about that. They just hey, go on. What are you doing? A bit bit the same about mm. you know catch yeah. up for a beer or what do you yeah. you want to go out for a bite? Yeah. I haven't seen you for a while. Yeah. Little things that yeah. just you know you know they're there to they're caring about you, yeah. um, and that's so important. Yeah, the other challenge that I mean uh, I found, I'm sure you found too, is you're dealing with your own grief, but then there's the children, your children that, yeah. are, that are there as well, who and your, and your wife, um, your partner, whoever. I mean, it's it's not just you, and you could be actually finding a moment where. Uh, I mean, I remember coming home from work one day and my oldest daughter was in the house and I thought, oh, I'm doing okay today, I feel all right. When I got into the house, she was crying her eyes out out the back and, you know, and of course then, you know, you go down on the roller coaster as well and yeah. it's 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 a bloody heavy load, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is um, and that's the responsibility of being a parent. Um, yes, it is. You know, you take on these things and it does test your strength. Yep. 
um, and your resilience, you know, th- through the, the the days is like, you know, the kids might say, are you crying again or something like that, um, especially early days. And, yes. Um, so, and then I thought I probably need to remove myself a little bit because I'm, I'm not fearful of um, showing my emotions, but I think there's a, a tipping point. Like, you know, if you're seeing Dad cry in the morning and at lunchtime and at night and it becomes a little bit too much. So I found yeah. myself, you know, oh, I need a shower. <laughs> so I'd go and have a shower and just oh that old chestnut yeah that yeah, one yeah. so yeah, and then just remove myself but you know I want my kids to show their emotions yeah. as well um, but I think there is a point where they don't need to see dad all day crying and red eyes and things like that so I think trying to remove yourself and and make sure that they're not getting too affected by what's coming out of me yes. um, and that was pretty important as well you know Tanner Tanner didn't go to school for a long time after it probably missed. Yeah, two what was the age difference between the boys? Uh, it was three years. Right, okay. Yeah, and then and Georgia, Georgia is, um, she would have been in about grade three, you know, oh. and Tilly and Will were still young, so they weren't even at kinder. And that then yeah. Tanner and Georgia didn't go to school for two to three months and, yeah. and found it very difficult. That, that's something that we just had to try and manage to make sure that they're okay and happy and, um, yeah, just work through that because at the end of the day to miss a bit of schoolwork to make sure their their welfare was right and and they were in a good place to to deal with school um, we thought that was best so yeah a lot of the reading that i've sort of done post burned its death around grief and you know the best ways to try and get through it and of course then you start reading about all the psychological you know um, behavioral traits that people the stages that people go yeah. through and we've talked a little bit about this before but the denial the anger the bargaining the acceptance depression all those sorts of things um did you can you relate to certain parts of those i mean like i mean to to have such a young life taken in a tragic you know set of circumstances i mean is anger something that you know because i mean i remember i got angry because i was just thinking of all the you know bloody horrible diseases to have you know is that something you related to there's no doubt about it i think you you know you analyze the the accident and there's there's no doubt there's anger there um and and the emotions change over time um with that as well but yeah i think all the things that you spoke about there's no doubt that i've gone through that Mm. Even guilt, you know, if, if I would have just said to him, come to the footy that night, would this have happened? You know, like, you know, yeah, but he was doing it? something he loved, was getting back into footy and, yeah. you know, the situation. Hanging so out with your mates. Hanging and, out yeah, with your yeah. mates and, and things yeah. like that. So there's things that you just, you wish you could change and, you know, you, you know, I think you put all those things in nearly sometimes one little category about well, that's the right. accident. Why didn't I do this? Or I could have done that. I think you go through that a little bit. I am a believer that I'm not a religious person, but I sort of believe that things sometimes happen for a reason, which this never ever happened. Um, but is it? You know, does does God put these things to, to challenge us and test us and uh, develop you and your family or people around? I, I don't know. Yes, I've got no idea, but I just don't think these things happen just because they just happen. I think I've got to put something behind it for my own set. Beliefs, or yeah, to accept what's happened. Oh, it's happened. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah a, it's the only way. Sometimes you can. I, I, yeah. I, I look back at that now as well. But if you looked at, has Brett Ratton changed a lot in the five years you know since this tragedy occurred? Oh, I've, yeah. There's, um, I, I try and have more fun mm. in my days because you know 
it could be me that goes in yeah. soon. You know, you wouldn't know. No. Um, life throws us spanners, and I think that's what I want to get out of a day. Um, even as a coach, I want to make the players laugh because yeah. you know it, it's a great way to think. You, you had a laugh during the day. Well, yeah. at least you've had a good day. Good day. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's right. So, and there's probably two. That's one part of it is to have fun, um, and the other part is to. Maybe not sweat the small stuff. Oh, the you know, yeah, don't worry exactly. about all the big, you know, every issue, and just, just, just let things ride. And yeah. I sort of, um, you've only got so many bullets to fire, so yes. why waste them on yes. arguing about that or stressing about this? It's just worry about the big things that you have to clean up, and all the little things. Just you know, not let them go and sweep them under the carpet. If if it, the behaviour is bad or things like that, as a coach, you've got to work with it. You've got yeah. to change that yeah. with the individual and things like that, but. I don't worry about the little things as much, you know, and just, just concentrate more on the big things and and that's what you can change. So, mm. yeah, yeah. I, even at home a bit, you know, if your kids stay up a little bit later, it's sort of like, yeah, yeah. half an hour is not going to hurt them, you know. Um, well, I find now I'm going to bed earlier than the kids anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's right. So it's not an issue at this that's age right. of mine, but, um, uh, I mean, it's approaching five years, as you said now, uh, since uh, Coop, died one of the things that i'm wanting to to sort of focus on is this you know dealing with grief in the workplace and how people re-engage back in so i mean what advice would you give to you know based on your experience to a workplace of what they could do for somebody that's you know suffering a bereavement or you know is in pain effectively Uh, i I think it's i would say it's constant communication yep um yep I I, i i think the ability just to keep reaching out and trying to understand the person because Milton grieving is different to Brett Ratton deal, yeah. uh, grieving um, and dealing with the situation. So some people might want a little bit more time away. Some people want to come back into the workforce. Some people might want to work three days a week. Yes. I don't know what it looks like for each individual, but I think the organisations have to be quite you know, open with the person and, and the transparency between each mm. um, individual and the company is really critical. Mm. And I would say uh, the support factor and the support factor shouldn't have a timeline. No. I think the support factor should mm. be that um, the acknowledgement of what's happened, you know, over the years. So even if it is, you know. Totally agree with you. Something that was pretty special was um, it was Cooper's 21st. Right. Um, it gets me a bit upset, but at the footy club, and the players got round and said, "We know it's a special day. We were working that day, and I know it's I a special day, but a very hard day for you." Wow, that's pretty special. Yeah, and they just all came up and gave us a cuddle, and it was awesome. It was so good, and just those little things about acknowledging um, him. Yes, yeah. he, he, you know, he might be not here, but he is here with yeah. us. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was one of the hardest things. Just, the, I'm, I'm sort of digressing here. No, but it's interesting what you're saying because that's you know the relationship doesn't finish because someone dies, does it? You know, and, no, and, and no. It's, uh, but I, I think that's a really beautiful thing for a workplace to do that oh, because it was I mean, that's, you know, that's extraordinary, it, really. Yeah, Tim Memory sort of was the one that spoke, and um, yeah, Gears, our captain, Jaron Geary. You know, they just the support there was awesome, and I think as a workplace, we don't have to. It's not like you. You're trying to s- celebrate or or acknowledge everything that's gone on, but you know if it gets to four or five years, it's sort of just you know it might just take 
couple of times for the year to sort of mention here, it's been five years now, just little things that make the difference and that separates, I think, the good companies to the great companies. I think it's, a, it's, it's such a pertinent comment. Yeah. And it's not that hard to do. But there's an awareness that needs to be there with it. That's right. And like any KPI or something that you yeah. measure, yeah. when they're put in place, we deliver on that. Yeah. Or we try to. Yeah. I think when you put it in you know, and make that a KPI for a business yes. to talk about the grieving and our support and our welfare for our people, yes. that should be part of the package. Yeah. It was interesting. Someone said to me in a company that I was talking to a few months ago about this whole thing, made the comment, but you know, gee, what happens if we, we really you know, we stuff it up and, and we, we don't do a good job? And I said, well... I actually don't believe that's possible because it's, something's got to be better than nothing. And if it's yeah. considered and it's coming from the right place, how can you stuff it up? You yeah. know, it's um, you know, something's th- better than nothing. I think if you know what the agenda is of the organisation or the person delivering the message, they can get it wrong. Yeah. And you, yeah. You, but you know where they're coming from. Yeah. That, you know, it's a heartfelt situation. But um, even as hard as this is, um, I don't know if you got this call, but this happened... Um, and, and this was this was Medicare. They, they rang us up within. I don't think I'd gone back to work, so it was maybe I might have. I might have. It might have been. I know I wasn't at work, and I was going for a walk with Joe, uh, my wife, and Medicare rang up, and they wanted to talk, and they said, um, "We we uh, we're going to send out your new cards, and that um, I won't have. Uh, we're taking Cooper's name off your Medicare card." Jesus. And I, and I just said to her, you, you, you really have to worry about that? And I think Medicare, and I'm only talking about Medicare here, This, the why don't they leave it there and just put a dot or something there that allows that person to still be part of the family? And they're the little things that can make the big difference. Yes, maybe by the rules and regulations yeah. that they, you know that are in place that they have to, but... Just some common sense. Yeah, know. and I sort of just spoke and said, you can take him off, but he's never... Coming off as far as I'm concerned, yeah. That's right, so, yeah. God almighty. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because another friend said that her workplace had been extraordinary up until about 30-odd days after her husband had passed. Yep. And it was like it fell off a cliff. You know, it was just like, oh, well, we've done that bit. But I think, you know, what you've just talked about, I... I mean, hats off to St Kilda for doing that. I mean, I think that 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 five year, you know, uh, or his birthday, you know, like I mean, well, just what a beautiful thing to have done as a yeah. And I, I think, um, I think the other thing is too. I, I know you're talking about the company and companies that you yeah. know if this happens within, but sometimes not the com- the company. They yeah. might have some policies in place and things in there, but it's actually the people. People, the people can yeah, create is. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. True. You know, and. I think, you know, the St Kilda Footy Club and, and you know, you, Andrew Bassett through to Matty Finnis and the board and they, they sent flowers and things like that, which are beautiful. You know, my PA, Jules, she's a ripper. You know, they, Simon Lethleen, our GM of footy, they, you know, they sent things and it was very appreciative of what mm. they did. But then you get the players who, they didn't actually have to do that. Mm. And I think people taking things sometimes and acknowledging that, even if there's mm. not a rule or this is what we have to do, mm. Sometimes trying to just do the right thing by the that person. It's also to you know when you think of that collective doing that. I mean, what does the collective take away from that as well? You know, like you know, we're doing something here that's really important that really counts. So that yeah. It's not just for this footy club, but they're taking that away into their lives, you know, their families. So, you know, just that you know you that human you know sort of element that it's just uh, 
so paramount in being supportive, really. Yeah, and it, I think a lot of workforces over time, we've, you know, through this COVID period, we've probably learned to take a step backwards a bit. And it's, you know, who's going to be the best at work? And you're always trying to climb the corporate ladder and, and get up to where yeah. you want to get up to as quickly as possible. But I think taking the time back and, and trying to understand your people and, you know, acknowledge them and take take a little bit of time off the clock yeah. to really find out about, you know, who you who work with yeah. and, and all who that. They are. And, and you're not a number. Yeah. You're not yeah. clocking in, you know, and you, you actually find out about the the person. I think it's really critical. And I learned that as a coach too. My early days at Carlton, tactician strategy was, you know, sort of the thing that I thought was the, the key to come up with the best game plan and deliver the best skill execution and things like that. I thought that was so critical. But the longer I went, the more I said, that that is important, mm. but it is not number one. Mm the people and the relationships, mm. uh, you know, because you can have the best game plan, but if you haven't got the people, yeah. you've no chance. No chance. And even if your game plan's half okay mm. and you've got the people, mm. you're, you're a bit of a chance. Yeah. And you might pull it off. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Yeah. Yep. What would you say to somebody, you know, that's actually, you know, might be listening to this that's had a recent bereavement in their lives? What advice, and understanding that grief is very different for everyone, yours is yeah. different to mine, but what would you say to them about the – you know, the journey. I mean, for me, it's approaching 12 months and listening to you, you know, um, you know, yours is approaching five years. And I'd like to think that um, over time, I learned to live with it better, but it's a tough road, you know, so I'm yeah. just sort of wondering, what would you say to someone? Um, it, it's, it, you know, I, I you, know, you say get support around you, but if the people don't come around you, that's, that's the challenge. It's, it's tough. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I would say, if they can talk about it, even if it makes them upset, I think that's really important. And if, if they've got nobody to speak to, go and seek, seek professional yeah. professional advice. I think that's critical. Yeah. Um, because sitting there and stewing on it and, and reliving it, and it's not healthy. No. So I think we've got to let your emotions out. I think that's really critical. So I'd say that's the number one thing. You will go through all the grieving processes. You will be up down, angry, yeah. depressed, there'll be elements of that and that's why it is important to keep talking because mm. people can assist you and then it's like anything, if you know what someone's feeling, you can actually work with them yes, you and can. understand them. Yes. So you, they're not coming around to say, oh, I went to see such and such a day. They didn't even talk. I'm not going to see them again. But if you know what they're dealing with and you know what they're dealing with, sorry, because it's a, but you know how they're feeling, you can actually start to work with them and say, that's okay, Don't don't stress about that. So you're getting me emotional because you're just right on the money, you know, with what you're talking about, I think. Yeah, anyway. yeah. so, um, and I don't think there's an end point to the grieving to a degree. Mm. Uh, um, I think there's a level of, um, there's a level of um, pain and things like that that will fluctuate through the time. And there'll be times where you're driving along or something comes on the car radio or you see something, you know, you, it might be a picture, it might be an ad, it might be a song, it might be a, you know, I, I, that car that he was involved in, I see it, you know, I see it every third car, I reckon. It's just like, oh. it's like my senses are all over. Oh, God, yeah. That, uh, yeah, um, and, uh, yeah, that's just the way it is. Um, yes. And they're the things, or, you know, we go past the skate park and I know he was there and I'd pick him up and I straight away when I look at the skate park, you're there. 
I look across the road because he'd always go and go, as soon as I pick him up, oh, don't pick me up at the skate park, pick me up at the kebab shop. Yeah. And then he'd run out and go, I, I need $12 for the kebab. And I was like, <laughs> stuff like that yes, would happen. Yes, um, of course. And all the time. So that's going to keep going on forever because those memories, that people will have them forever. Yeah, but yeah. I think just having people around and talking about it, I think for us this year was probably the first year um, in a way when his birthday came on came um you know march the 6th he's 21 we went out to a to a sort of a, a pub tavern out out our way um bryce's tavern and we we asked family to come and things like that and they were playing music and some of the the kids and um nieces and nephews and they were dancing right and it was the first time that we'd had a birthday for him yeah where there was a bit of celebration where the others were poor. It was oh, like yeah. it's like swallowing a watermelon. So yeah. that might happen for people earlier. Yeah. Um, it might happen later. I don't know. But there's got to be a time that I think we start to celebrate their life and, and you know, try and have a smile about what they did and how good they were, whether it was only a short time in life or it was a it's long time. It's funny because the birthday, Bernadette's birthday was May the 1st. And um, our wedding anniversary was the 23rd of April, and you had Mother's Day. So every year throughout our life, it's been, you yeah. said, this block of about two weeks. It was, you know, anniversary, birthday, Mother's Day. And this year, I, I actually, because it was the first year without her, but the anniversary and the um, Mother's Day thing were okay, but the birthday I found really hard, you know. So, yeah. But it's great that, you know, you're celebrating it now in terms of a, well, not celebrating, but you know what I mean? It's like yeah, it's, it we're trying to make it up, you know an occasion of, of happiness rather than of, of sadness. We started to talk about it wasn't it wasn't you know, it was sort of trying to celebrate his twenty first, but yeah. even to sort of talk he would have had a good night here tonight. Yes. Well look, thanks so much for um talking today. Thanks for having me and um uh, just for everybody, I think um everybody's experience is different. What my words might come out uh, could be completely different to what people go through, but that was my feelings through that time and, and sort of some of the things that I've gone through with family, yeah. friends and people around me. So hopefully you get one thing out of it that helps you and makes your day better and uh, keeps you moving forward because that's the hard bit. If we sit still, that's when things can collapse and uh, everything fall on top of us. So we just have to keep moving, even if it's at a slow pace. I'm Milton Walters and you've been listening to Adapting in My Grief. One of the goals of this podcast is to talk about how we deal with grief in the workplace and how we can possibly do it better. So head over to our website, adapting.com.au, to learn more or indeed share a story or an insight that you might have that you think could be of value to this end. During the conversations throughout the series, if there are any triggers that cause you concern, anxiety or make you feel in any way uncomfortable, please seek professional assistance through some of the many great organisations providing invaluable mental health support and services, for example, Beyond Blue and Lifeline, to name just a few. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please feel free to rate and review it and also to subscribe to it. This podcast is produced by Neely Media in Melbourne, additional sound engineering by I Explain IT in Port Ferry, and the music is by Sophia Whitney.